Maybe you've heard of it. That stands for deoxyribonucleic acid. Welcome to Revolution Church. How are you guys doing this morning? Are we awake? Are we alive? Hey. I got a question for you. How many of you, of you are excited to be in God's house today and just hear from him? Amen? Can we get a holler? All right. Y'all hoop and holler at football games and basketball games and baseball games, and I like to holler in the house of the Lord. Amen? Because I, I know what he's done for me. Do y'all know what he's done for you? Yes? All right. If you don't, and you don't know what all these crazy, weird people making all this noise talking about, I've got some good news for you because today is a good, do, a good day for you. It's a really good day for you because you came in tired. You came in. You had a long, hard week. But you stepped into the right environment because God has been working in this place. And it's been a cool experience to see what he's done. To give you kind of a background, if you're our guest today, I want you to know we are thrilled that you're here. Like, we are so pumped about you being here. Um, there's too much joy coming at you. And you're like, dude, who are these people? What's up? I'm just telling you, man, we are excited that you're here because... God has sent us here, and I know that sounds really weird and really funny, but to give you kind of a backstory to us, me and my wife Amy, she was on the keyboard today, um, that's my wife, we moved here all the way from Ohio, about 17 hours away, and God has been doing something in my life for a couple years, and one of the things that he instilled in my heart was that I needed to start a church, and uh, I know that sounds crazy, y'all, some of y'all are thinking, you know, and I've already got the Texas going, you know, y'all, what's up with that? But uh, some of y'all are thinking, you know, like, like what, what do we need another church for? And, and I just believe with all of my heart that God sent us here because he wanted us to, to come and engage with, with you guys. And I think that that's just something that he had in the works and something he had in the plan. But I think it's phenomenal to see God answer prayer. Because you got you to come back and, and think about my perspective for a second. I'm sitting over in Ohio. Okay, I'm scared out of my mind. I feel like God's telling me to move my whole family, uproot everything, and go start a church with no people. Okay, I don't know anybody in the state of Texas that I'm like, okay, we're going to start this together. So that's, that's nerve-wracking. And then, and then we really didn't have the money to start a church, because how do you start a church when you don't have any money, you don't have any people? And then the third obstacle is you have no building. Okay, The last I heard, you needed at least those three things in order to somewhat do something, uh, but God had a plan. And so he spoke to me and he said, you know, Randy, I just want you to just listen to what I'm saying. I want you to just obey me, get over there and figure out where I want you and then just start, start doing stuff. And God, he has a great way of taking care of people who follow him. And so if you don't know that today, or if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, that word Christian that we use so often, that word actually means Christ follower. It's a follower of Jesus Christ. And so when, when you just follow Jesus Christ, it's amazing how the guy who created all that we know and see he has the power to change any and every circumstance, no matter what the odds are, no matter how hard it looks, no matter if you feel like you're not capable, no matter if you feel like you're not lovable. God still wants to have a relationship with you, and he wants to meet you where you are, and he wants to use you to do great and mighty things for him that blow everything out of the water. It's mind blown. Okay, so I want to share you with you kind of our DNA of our church. I'm going to walk over here to the Sky Bible up here. Um, here's our purpose. We exist to give life to people, and we do it this way. We exist to revolutionize the world with the life-giving love of Jesus. Because I've experienced something. Okay, let me just tell you. I've experienced the love of Jesus in such a magnificent way where when I was unlovable, God still wanted me anyways. It's called grace. Giving me what I did not deserve. And I want to just do my best as a pastor to, to rally a group of people, you guys, behind a message that's important. And that's the message of the Bible that says that Jesus is the answer. Amen? Amen. Amen. Jesus is the answer. And I just want to push people that direction because he gives life. So if you're drained today... If you're frustrated, you had a hard week, you're stressed out, you don't know what's going next, you don't know what's going to happen, Jesus is your answer. You say, well, I have a relationship with Jesus, but I'm still feeling this way. Listen, God wants to, to deliver something to you today out of his word. And so we're going to take a few minutes here in just a second. We're going to open up the word of God, and we're going to let it speak to our hearts. We're going to just have eyes that are open to see what he wants us to see. I'm getting head to the vision, but I need to keep going. The core values here, the core values tell us that found people, 
find people. We're in a message series entitled DNA. This is our DNA. This is who we are. This is what we're all about. This is the message that God gives us out of the Bible of who Christians are to become, Christ followers. This is who we're supposed to be. Found people, find people. We've found something so good, and we have to share it. That's what found people, find people is. Save people, serve people, is we believe that we should dedicate our lives as a living sacrifice, according to Romans 12, 1, that says, we present our bodies as sacrifices back to God to live for him to serve his community, to serve other people. That's what the Bible teaches. The problem is we haven't been doing that. And so we want to just make it our DNA. This is who we are. This is what we're about. We're going to serve other people. We know that this is different. Today we're talking about growing people change, okay? The last couple of weeks we kind of went over the last two. Growing people change is what we're going to focus on in our lesson today about how God can change us to become like the image of his son and do the things that, that we're supposed to be doing. And then we just want you to live the vision. So we just put it there in our values. This is something we value. Live what we say we believe as a vision. Our vision is to see what Jesus sees so we do what he wants us to do. One of the groups that is doing that right now is our kids ministry. I think they do a phenomenal job of just serving our kids. Loving our kids. Amen. We give them a hand. I wish they were in here to hear it. (laughs) Okay. I wish they were in here to hear it. But the reality is we wouldn't be able to enjoy a service and to hear from God more effectively if those kids were in here and I was competing with my son, Jace, or me. If you're going to listen to me or Jace, you're going to listen to Jace every time because he's got the smile and he's got the spiked hair and he looks cool. He looks so much better than listening to this goofy guy talking way too fast, right? And so I know that and they know that and they've dedicated time out of their week this week to prepare a lesson to make sure that those kids aren't just being back there babysat. They're back there learning something. We prayed before service that God would use our teachers in a mighty way to impact those kids. You've heard it said that the kids are the next generation. I believe that they're this generation. They're a part of our church right here, right now. So we're loving on them back there. They're doing a great job. Um, If you're in kids ministry and you're in here today and it's just not your week, thank you for working back there, man. It's a huge, huge deal. So I had to say that because you're living the vision. You're seeing what Jesus sees. Those kids need Jesus just like everybody else does. And you're doing what he wants you to do. So I want to thank you for that. But I got to say... Here's a question for you that I want you to just think about. You guys are guests here today. You got up out of bed and somebody told you they were taking you somewhere else and they drove you up to the daycare center and you're like, what the heck are we doing here? You know, this is is this church. What is going on? Basically, we're the church that's not started yet. We're still gathering people on a team to say, hey, this is what we want to do. In January, we want to launch a church and we want to give life to a community. And we believe that there are hundreds thousands of people in this community that need to have an encounter with God. And we want to step up and be the church that God, the, the God that, that talks about in this, this Bible, the Christians that we're supposed to be. That's what our heart is. So we want you to, to just observe today, if you're a guest, see if this is something that you want to be a part of. If it is, man, we, we need your help. Like, we need you. Um, we want to do something big. We don't want to do something small, and we know that there's strength in numbers. So if God may be leading you this way on your communication card, there's a, a, a spot on there for you to partner with us. At the end, you'll have an opportunity to drop that in the black box or in the, uh, the plates as they come by, okay? So just kind of think about it. Pray on it. Some people need some time, and I totally understand that. God sometimes speaks the first day. Sometimes he speaks after multiple visits, but we want you to check us out. See what this is all about. Here's a question for you. Ready? Question. Have you ever had an experience where you believed one thing very, very, very strongly? Like you were dead set that this is the way that it is. But then through a circumstance or something, somebody telling you something, all of a sudden you changed completely, did like a 180 and went the opposite direction. Anybody like that? Anybody like that? All right. Some of y'all are like, nope, I always stick with what I say. You know what I mean? Like always it. Well, listen, I've had some experiences like that. And thinking about this in my life, and I think about growing people change, when I was a kid, it was funny because I, I didn't like peanut butter and jelly at all. I hated it. Anybody else hate peanut butter and jelly when you were a kid? I hated it. I didn't like the peanut butter, all right? The jelly was good, but I didn't like the peanut butter. The peanut butter was like, oh, what's up? with like, yeah, I couldn't do it, right? Something's wrong with this stuff. And so and my mom's like always packing this. It seemed like every day for, for lunch, I'm eating peanut butter and jelly, and I hated it. And it's funny that as I grew up, all of a sudden, like one day, and they tried to tell me, I'll try it again, try it again. I don't want to try it again. I hate that stuff. And I tried it, and now I like love peanut butter and jelly. Anybody had that happen with PB&J? What is it about PB&J? I don't know. I don't know what it is, but like I can eat like three sandwiches now back to back, get a glass of milk. Oh, that's so good. Y'all are like, I hate peanut butter and jelly still, right? God changed me in that way as I got a little older. Now, here's another one for you. I hated steak when I was a kid. Anybody else hate steak when you were a kid? 
All right, a couple of you are like, I'm from Texas. We have cows here. No, all right? I get it, I get it. But me, I'm from Ohio, okay? I didn't like that stuff. That You're chewing it you know, like, you know, for days, you know, for hours. You know, it's like a tobacco addiction or something. You know, you're just chewing this, chewing it. It's stuck in your lip. Can't swallow it because it's just a, too whole. And you're like, I don't know if I wouldn't cut it down quite enough or something. But I hated it. Hated the texture of it. Didn't like it at all. Definitely didn't like baked potatoes. And my parents would get all that, you know, the stuff all over it. And I'm like, dude, you're gross, man. That was nasty. So I don't know. I, I was a deprived child or something. Um, they tried to get me to eat it. I just didn't do it. You know what's funny? As I grew older, all of a sudden, I love steak. I love baked potatoes. Anybody else love steak and baked potatoes? Amen. Amen. Y'all can amen every point in the service, all right? Doesn't have to be a spiritual thing to amen. You're just like, baked potato? Yep. Amen. All right? Y'all can do it with me. I like it loud up in this place. Amen. There you go. Um, How about this one? I hated, hated, with a passion, I hated barbecue. Oh, my word. You... They would bring that sauce out, and they're like, it puts a little bit of this on. I ain't putting on I already don't like this. Why would I like that too? And then I was like, you know, the devil. And they were like, well, maybe if you put that on it, you won't taste the steak. And they weaseled me in that. And it like burnt. You know, as a kid, everything burns. Even if it doesn't burn, it burns. And so I'm like, it burns. My son says it's spicy. Okay? He eats a bite of ice cream, and he's like, it's spicy, because he doesn't know. You know, it's just funny. It's a blast. But listen, I hated barbecue. You can ask my wife now. We'll go to a barbecue restaurant. I ain't ordering any sides. I don't need none of that. Give me pork with a side of steak, with a side of chicken, with a side of beef. I don't care. Any type of meat, I'm all about it. I love it. How many of y'all love your meat eaters in the house? Come on now. Amen. There you go. Some of y'all are getting with it. Some of y'all are like, I don't like meat. Listen, I'm so blessed that you're here because that means more meat for us, all right? We're not even worried about you. We're just blessed that you're letting us have it, all right? That's the way that it goes. I love it. Doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't matter what it's on. Give me a piece of Texas toast with it, though, and I'm going to go, oh, it's game time, all right? As I realized all this stuff and thinking about it, growing people change, don't they? As you grow up, maybe your brain stops being so hard-headed. Some of y'all haven't gotten there yet, and you're like poking your your spouse going, honey, they're going to get there eventually, these teenagers, man, they don't listen, right? But here's the deal, amen, right? They don't. It's tough sometimes. But I think for me, I was too hard-headed to just believe my parents that that stuff would be good for me, and I had these mind barriers about myself that was like, you know, I can't do that because of all these reasons of why it's not good for me. Why did I tell you that story today? Y'all are like, I have no clue, okay? Here's why I told you that, because I think that people today in our community are the exact same way. I think that the message of Jesus Christ is good. And it's not just a little bit good, it's filet mignon good. It's good, all right? And when you have that encounter with God in such a real way, and you, you meet the God of the universe, and, and he changes you, and I don't mean change in a bad way, I mean change in a good way. We call it revolutionizes you. When he does that to you, all of a sudden your life's totally different and you start living for God and God starts blessing you and doing things that you know couldn't have been done any other way. It had to have been God. When that happens, you get joy. You get peace in life. Something starts rocking inside that heart of yours. All of a sudden you got this passion that you didn't know you had. And then you realize that growing people change because you didn't always used to be that way. Matter of fact, you, for some of you, you were quite the opposite. And today, I love the story that I'm about to read to you. It's uh, found in Acts chapter 9. So if you've got your Bible with you, I'd love for you to go to the New Testament. It's in the, the, the latter half of the Bible there, the New Testament. Acts chapter 9 is where we're going to spend some time today. And we're going to talk about a guy who can relate to just about everybody in this room. Because he's done some pretty bad stuff, pretty stupid stuff, okay? Pretty dumb stuff that he shouldn't have done. But God, God had an encounter with him. And it changed everything. And some of you today, you come to the church and you say, you know, Randy, if you knew my past, if you knew who I was before I stepped into this door today, you wouldn't even want to talk to me. Because I've done some stuff and and, and it's, it's real bad. And you think in your mind, you know, I'm surprised that the roof didn't cave in when I come into this place today. How many of y'all have ever heard that? You've heard that if I go to church, the roof's going to cave in. Come on, put them up, put them up. You just heard it, all right? There you go, everybody now, all right? You hear that, and it's because we know who we are, isn't it? We know where we've been. We know some of the stuff that's come out of our mouth. 
some of the ways that we've treated certain individuals and certain people in our lives, some of those relationships have been messed up because of us. And we think, you know, God would never want me. And today I'm going to show you a story out of God's word. And it's not, it's, it's one of those stories that I believe God put purposely here so that no matter what you've done, no matter where you've come from, you can hear this message preached and understand that God loves you and wants you, no matter what. It's a story of hope today. It's a great story. So if you got your Bible, Acts chapter 9, um, again, if you don't have your Bible, we put it in your notes there for you on your outline. Did everybody get a packet when you came in? If you did not get a packet with a pen, with an envelope, with your outline in it, go ahead and put your hand up. We'll get that to you because you need to have it. Anybody like that? We'll get you what you need. Good job. Nicole's all over it. Good job, Nicole. She got it to everybody. That's perfect. We want you to take down some notes today because we want God's word to speak to your heart. We don't want this to be a waste of your time. We want this to be a valuable time today. So there are four things that I want to share with you out of God's word, out of Acts chapter 9, that I believe can revolutionize you. They can revolutionize you. They can really propel you to the next step. So here's your first one in your notes there in your blanks. It doesn't matter what you've done in your past. Jesus wants you to follow him. That's number one. Write it down, write it in there. Doesn't matter what you've done in your past. Jesus wants you to follow him. Let's talk about a guy named Saul today. We're going to learn about him, and it, the, the verses kind of tell a little bit about who he is. So what we're not going to do today is we're not going to stand up here and tell you this long monologue of something that you don't understand, and then like you leave here and still don't understand it, okay? What we're going to do is we're going to read some scripture, we're going to take a moment to pause, and we're going to say, what's this mean? And we're going to talk about it for a second. And that way you walk out of here with something rather than nothing, okay? I like the church that you go to where you learn something, and you walk away going, I understood that. That's kind of what our goal is today, okay? So Acts chapter 9, verse 1 says this. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest. Now let's stop right there, all right? I don't like to go too far. There's a guy named Saul. He's still breathing murder against the disciples of Jesus Christ. This guy's probably one of those guys that wouldn't just say he's an atheist. You know, an atheist means a person who doesn't believe in God at all. There, this guy's probably beyond an atheist because not only does he not like Christians or not believe in God, he hates Christians. This guy, Saul, is out to murder, murder Christians for being disciples of Jesus Christ. What's a disciple? A person who follows after Jesus, a disciple of something, a disciple of Jesus Christ. So this guy obviously has a bad attitude towards Christians, so much so that in this next verse, we're going to find that he's got uh, permission to have some authority here. Let's see what happened. He went to the high priest, and in verse 2 it says, and he asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now what does this mean? Saul's an enemy of the way. Now I love that because they haven't been yet called Christians. Okay? Christians are Christ followers. They've not been yet given that term or that word of Christians. So imagine like you're just out there and you're, you're, they're trying to start a church, right? They've been given the commission by Jesus Christ that they're going to go as disciples, as followers of Jesus, and they're going to impact their community, kind of like what we're doing, starting a revolution in this place. But they lived their life so well that Saul had classified them as followers of the way, isn't that cool? Like, they, they didn't have the term Christian yet. God didn't say, hey, anybody who follows me is a Christian. They, this just kind of came. They're followers of the way. That's what they were known as. And I think that anybody that's living their life the way that the Bible tells us that we're to live our lives, anybody that's truly in this thing saying, you know what, we're going to start a revolution in this community, we will be known as followers of the way. We will be known as people who are starting a revolution. People will just know it. It won't be something that we have to go and classify like they weren't classified as Christians. They were just followers of the way. God had spoke and they had listened. And as they obeyed, people took notice. So much so, though, that they had some enemies, didn't they? This guy Saul, he had asked for permission from the, from the leaders. Here's what these verses mean. Asked for permission from the leaders and said, if we find any men, women at all that are followers of Jesus Christ, do we have permission to bound them? and bring them to Jerusalem? And they said, yes, you do. Think about this time period. You were a follower of the way, a follower of Jesus Christ. If you were a Christian, you were trying to live the life the right way, you could be bound in chains, taken as a prisoner captive for being a follower of Jesus. 
when you have that perspective in your mind of what it looked like to be a follower of the way versus what it looks like now to be a follower of the way, Jesus Christ, he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by him, John 14, 6. Think about how different it is. We have the freedom, we have the privilege and the honor to follow our leader, Jesus Christ. He's our leader, amen? Amen. Amen. What he says goes. He's the leader. We follow him. He's leader, Lord, and CEO of our life. When you make that decision to let him be that, and you begin to follow him, we have freedom to tell other people about Jesus. We have freedom to come in here and sing songs of praise to our God who deserves everything. We have that freedom. It's an amazing privilege. But back in this day and time, it's my belief, they were following Jesus properly. The Bible says they're getting bound in chains. Something bad's going to take place. This guy was known as a murderer. This guy, Saul, hates Christians. Sends this command that if we find anybody, we're going we're to charge them with blasphemy. Blasphemy. Because there are kings and there are rulers, and this is not king and this is not ruler. He is not Lord. He is not leader. He is not CEO. That's his impression. Saul did not believe. He's not a follower. Some of you may be living your life kind of the exact same way. Now let me explain that a little bit. You may not be out murdering Christians, but you may be under the impression that you can live life however you want, like Saul. Because Saul was under the impression that he was in control. Saul was under the impression that his way was the right way, that his way was the only way, and that these foolish people that go to church and that they believe in the way are the wrong way. Some of you may be like that today. Some of you may be uh, from a background where you say, you know, all this God stuff, I don't know that I believe all this stuff. Maybe you've, maybe you've even not just questioned God, but maybe you've criticized God. Like, I won't ask you to raise your hand or anything, but, but maybe you can think back to a time where something happened and you decided that you were mad at God. And you blamed God. You were angry with God. Let me tell you something today. There's hope in this lesson. Because it doesn't matter that you've done that. It doesn't matter that you've done that. And you're going, what do you mean it doesn't matter? For some of you, you've done some things in the past that you know don't please the Lord. I want you to know that God still, no matter what's happened, wants you to follow him. He wants you to make the decision today to walk out of here different than the way you came in. Where you say, you know what, God? You are Lord, leader, CEO. You make all the decisions. I'm not in control. Whatever you say goes. Even if I don't understand it, I'm going to follow it. Because I'm following you. And you seek my heart. How do I know that God wants to do that for you? How do I know that no matter what's happened, he still wants you? Look at verse three, it kind of tells us. It says this, as Saul journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul. Now these are in red in my Bible, meaning this is Jesus speaking here. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I love this next part. And he said, who are you, Lord? Like, like God had spoken and he just knew, right? Like God had said something to him and he had this encounter and he just immediately said, he's Lord. And he's gotta be, that's right, Charlie, he's gotta be. But when you have an encounter with God, you know who, where he stands and you know where you stand. I keep saying that Lord, leader, and CEO, you understand that you're the follower at that point. Saul's having this moment here in scripture where he says, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Whom you are persecuting. Who you are persecuting. In other words, you're an enemy of me at this moment. Let me tell you something, and this is not going to be comfortable to your ears, but I got to tell you, because this is the way that the Bible's written. This is what God's word says. You can be mad at me, but it's really God who said it. So let me just tell you about it. You can be mad that this classifies this like this, because basically he's saying, you're against me, Saul, because you've never had a relationship with me. You've never started a relationship and said, you're a leader and Lord. And because you've never classified me as leader and Lord, that means you're my enemy. And the same is true of us today. If we don't declare him as leader and Lord, you are an enemy of God. That's not comfortable. Say, I don't like that, Randy. I don't, I don't know that I'm an enemy. I mean, I'm not really like out persecuting people and I'm not really like murdering Christians and I'm man I'm at church aren't I Randy come on man listen I understand what you're saying but I also understand that if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ and you've not given it over and said God whatever you desire and I understand that you are the reason that I'm here 
You are the reason that I even have life. You are the reason that I wake up day to day so that I can follow you. You have given me purpose. If you don't understand these things, then I have to question, man, are you an enemy or are you a follower? And let me say, it's pretty easy to know enemies and followers. There's a difference. And I want you to experience the difference of truly following Jesus Christ with your life. Because listen, I've given up a lot to be here, but let me tell you this, I am happy. I have peace that passes all ability to understand. When people don't get, well, how in the world? You're you're out here, you don't know anybody. Listen, it doesn't matter that I didn't know anybody. I knew Jesus Christ. He was leading my path. In all of my ways, I acknowledge him and he shall direct my path. He's, He's a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. He shows me where to go and I follow. And as I follow, God blesses my life. Now that blessing looks like a multitude of things. It's not just monetarily. It's blessing in relationship. It's blessing in friendship. It's blessing with family. I call you family because you're my family. It's an awesome experience to have a church family that loves one another. I want you to experience the God that I'm talking about today. Really what Revolution Church is about, it's about two things. Revolution Church, obviously we give life to people, but I classify two things. We want to change and revolutionize your thinking towards God because I believe that there's a distorted view of who God is in this world today. So we want to revolutionize that by having a true encounter. If you'll experience him like we've experienced him, you'll understand what I'm saying. He'll revolutionize you. The second thing we want to do is revolutionize your mindset towards church. Because there's a distorted view of church too. Because we know that, that some churches we've gone to, you have to be perfect in order to show up and be there, right? And to fit in. Because if you don't have the dress code on and you don't look the way and you don't have the the envelope of the tie sticking out your front pocket and you don't have your Bible with you and if you're not wearing a Christian t-shirt and if you're not wearing the bracelet and if you don't come to every single thing, then all of a sudden you're not a real follower. That's not what we're trying to do here. We want to revolutionize the way you view church because we believe that church is for hurting broken people and God's putting us all back together. That's what this church is about. That's what it's for everybody's welcome here. There's not a certain age group. There's not a certain demographic. It's not a certain part of the city that we target. It's everybody. Everybody's the target because Jesus is for everybody. Getting off track here, but I'm pumped. All right. Uh, Let's look at this. Uh, Verse six. So Saul, here's his response. If you don't get anything else out of this message today, which I hope you've already got something, but if you didn't, pay attention to this because this is probably the most important part of the lesson. Here's what it says. So Saul, trembling and astonished, has a response to what God's just done. He says, Lord, what do you want me to do? Stop. Stop. Did you catch it? This is the most important part of the lesson today. When you have an encounter with God and God speaks, and you know it's the Lord because he immediately said, Lord, (laughs) I know it's you. When that happens in your life and God is trying to tell you your next step, that response was the best response that you could ever give. And Saul taught it, Mr. Murderer. Saul taught it. Because listen, he said, what do you want me to do? Meaning, whatever you tell me, I'm going to do. What is it? Just spell it out. In other words, he's saying, I'm probably dumber than a box of rocks. And if you don't make it clear, I'm not going to understand. What do you want me to do? Just spell it out. I get it. You're God. Oh man, I need to pay attention, right? Some of you guys experienced that moment. I experienced that moment in my life where I realized, God, you are the way, the only way. And if I continue to go my way, I'm going to continue to have a mess on my hands. Things are going to keep continue to be problems. Over and over and over again, I'm going to find myself hollow. Over and over and over again, I'm going to find myself empty. Over and over and over again, I'm going to wonder what my purpose in life is unless I just listen and obey. Remember that song, Trust and Obey? It's a fun song because it's so simple, but it's so true. If we just trust God and obey him, he'll just take care of us. Really comes down to faith though. Do we believe that? So Saul says, what do you want me to do? For some of you today, God is asking you to follow him more with your life. He's saying, you know what? It's time for your next step. You accomplished A, you accomplished B, and now I'm ready to give you C. But you know what? If he gave you all the details to see, you wouldn't go on the journey. Because sometimes on the journey, it looks a little rough. Sometimes the journey of following Jesus isn't always easy. Sometimes it's very, very hard. And what I want to encourage you with today is he hasn't given you the details. He just wanted to know if you trust him. Because if you trust Jesus Christ with your life and you'll just let him do whatever, 
He'll get you where you need to go. And even though the scenery seems like, ooh, I don't understand all the details, he'll help you through it. I love that song, He Will Be Our God Till the End. He's not going to put you on a path and leave you by yourself. He will never leave you nor forsake you. That's Jesus Christ. It's a promise that he's given us. I think that we've really complicated following the Lord. We've really complicated it. If I can encourage you with anything, don't complicate following Jesus. It's not hard to follow Jesus. We made it hard. Now, there, there is a spiritual war going on, and the devil will attack as you begin to follow. But let me say this. We are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ, who gives us life and gives us strength and gives us hope, gives us power. He gives us everything that we need through his Holy Spirit to walk the life and to live the life we're supposed to live. You're not going out there with no armor on. You're going out there fully protected. God is going before you. You're like the sheep that just follows the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me. If you're following the Lord and just following after him, he's going to help you out. He's not going to leave you discouraged and depressed in your your circumstance. But again, men, especially, look at me, men. Listen, you have to make him leader. And it's important for the man to understand it because the family is supposed to follow the man, but if the man is being lazy over here, not following the, the scriptures, as the scripture said, and leading the household, then it creates a problem not just for you, man, but for the whole family. And so I encourage you, as the man of your household, to step up and be who God called you to be and follow the leader. A lot of us are so hard-headed, though, that we don't know what's good for us. And he's trying to give us the filet mignon, and we're going, oh, I don't know, I don't like that texture. <laughs> and we need to get on with the game. Growing people change. Number two, write this down. Jesus has given us the church to help tell other people about who he is. Jesus has given us the church to help tell other people about who he is. Now Saul has an encounter with Jesus and it changes everything for him. Because all of a sudden now he's like, whoa, that's the Lord right there talking to me. Like, ain't no doubt about it. Verse 6 says, then the Lord said to him, arise and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The last part of verse 6. Rise, go to the city and you'll get your next step is what he's been told. Now, I don't want to take time to read all this because you got Acts chapter 9. If you've got a Bible, you go read it. If you don't have a Bible, let me tell you this. We value God's word so much here at Revolution Church. If you don't own a Bible, all you have to do is go to that back table right there in the back, in the cafe area, grab a Bible off there. You've got my permission. I just gave it to you, okay? All you have to do is go take one. You don't have to ask anybody about anything. If anybody looks at you, just say, hey, dude, get in the Bible, man. You want one? Give them one too, okay? I don't care. Get the Bible in your hand. Acts chapter 9, read this story because this is a phenomenal story. But I want to tell you about this next step that he was supposed to be given. Acts chapter 9 says that that he's supposed to go to this city and all of a sudden he's just going to get this next step. But he doesn't have any details. He doesn't know who he's going to meet. He doesn't know what's going to happen next. He's just told to go. And once he gets there, he'll get his next step. Kind of like what we're supposed to do. Just go to the church and once you get there, he'll speak to you and you'll get your next step. Kind of like that, right? But you don't know who you're going to meet. You don't know what the message is going to be about. You don't know anything, but you're just showing up saying, God, whatever it is, I guess I'm here, right? Trying to obey you. And so here's what happens. This guy, um, there's a guy named Ananias that he's about to meet. And we're going to read about it in verse 13 here in just a second. But Ananias has this encounter with God as well. And God tells Ananias, hey, you're going to meet a guy named Saul. And this guy named Saul is going to come to your house and you're going to give him his next step. Now, here's the only sticky part about this whole situation. Ananias here, he, he knows who Saul is. He's heard of him before. Because Ananias is a follower of the way, a follower of Jesus Christ. And here's the reality. Ananias knows Saul, are you, which Saul? And he said, Saul from Damascus, the one that was writing the letters and trying to bound all the Christians up. He, Whoa, God, holy, holy Bible. Are you kidding me, God? Like, That Saul, Saul that's murdering Christians, Saul that's persecuting, been talking bad, Saul that took my cousin, Saul that that bound him up in chains and dragged him away and said, hey, you can't be a follower of the way. There's no such thing. That's all fake. That Saul, you want me to tell that Saul his next step? I don't know, God. Are you sure? You ever been told by God to do something that seems very hard? Come on, put him up. Now, I told you, it was hard saying, okay, I'll leave all my family, all my friends, all my house, everything, and I'll come to McKinney, Texas. That was hard, but it was what God said. So here we are. You're stuck with me, right? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> all right, I like that. 
Ananias, man, he's got to be freaking out. Let me, let me kind of put this into better perspective for you, all right? So Ananias has been told to do something by God. It'd be like God speaking to you and saying, hey, I want you to tell Osama bin Laden how to become a follower of Jesus. I want you to go talk to a terrorist about becoming a follower of Jesus. That's what's happening here with this Ananias guy. So Ananias is flipping out. Not a good day in the house of the Lord for Ananias. Ananias went to the service and, and he's sitting there and he put his hands up and he's praising and everything's going good and he's liking the drummer who's beating it well and everything's going and it's great. But then all of a sudden God speaks and tells him something that just wrecks him. And he's like, are you serious, God? I don't, I'm sure that Ananias come up with a thousand reasons why he couldn't follow God right there in that moment. Like before, he hadn't even thought about not following God, but now he's like, I'm not qualified, I'm not capable, I'm not tall enough, I'm not, you know, he's coming up with everything, you know, anything to get God not to make him do this. This is a big deal. Let's look at verse 13. I think it's pretty cool what, what happens here in verse 13. Ananias, he mans up, right? You got to man up from time to time. Sometimes following Jesus is hard, but sometimes you got to just say, you know what? God's going to take care of it. And I'm just going to do it because it's the right thing to do. To man up in a lot of areas of our lives. But look at verse 13. Ananias answered and he says this, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much harm he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen, what? A chosen what? A chosen vessel. What that verse did not say is that he's a loser scumbag who I cannot use. That's not what that verse says. He didn't say he's done way too much harm in his life and done too much in his past for me to ever want to love him or, or let him become a follower of me. That's not what that verse says. That verse just said, but the Lord said to him, go for he is a chosen, what? Vessel. vessel. A vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. I love the wording that he uses there. Remember, I told you no matter what you've done in your past, no matter what's happened, no matter what you've even told God, God still wants you to follow him. And he's given us the church as a means to tell other people about Jesus. Praise God for who he is. We call that grace. It's kind of the Christianese version, uh, word for it. Christianese is like some terminology that you don't understand. Grace means this, very simply put, giving you what you don't deserve. Giving me what I don't deserve. I don't deserve heaven. I don't deserve to live an abundant life full of joy and peace. But yet God has given me the privilege of coming into an encounter with him. Given me the privilege to follow him with my life. And because of that, that's given me what I don't deserve. Grace. I can live life new. I can be with freedom who God created me to be. And I can impact other people for his cause. And I can tell other people about how to become followers of the way. A revolution can take place. God has given us the church so that people can follow him. Let me kind of harp on it for a second because I like to harp on things from time to time and it's just really fun to brag on God. Y'all like bragging on God, yes or no? Yeah, I like bragging on God. I have to brag on God for what he's done because I know that nothing I've done has done this because it's just a God thing. Y'all have those God thing moments where you're just like, I don't, I can't explain it. Just God showed up and did stuff. People keep asking me, how's the church growing? Randy, you're a church planner. You're not supposed to have that many people this quick. I say, I don't know. God shows up. When God shows up, it's really, really cool to do church with God. Because when we do church by ourselves, it's not very fun. <laughs> it's taxing. It's hard. There's no life in the room. When we sing, it's just kind of bland. When God's not there, but when God shows up, I don't know, something just happens. That's my answer. I keep giving that answer. It's really cool to see life change continue to happen. We keep showing these videos every week of people telling their story of how God did something in their life. It's a phenomenal thing knowing that, that people who are not followers, people who were even atheists, not even believers in God, all of a sudden now follow Jesus Christ. Help start a church. How cool is that? Can I brag for a minute? Y'all cool with that? Can I brag? All right. People listening online don't think we're all about numbers, but I got to tell you, I'll brag about this number right now. Because God instituted us to just follow him and start a church in this area, 30 plus people have come to know Jesus Christ and become followers of the way through the church. Listen, what we do is important. 
What, what does that mean? That means people that were on their way to hell had an encounter with God and now get a, an eternal life with him forever in heaven. That's a huge deal. And we didn't do it. We didn't do it. We had the privilege of being a part of his plan. And it was awesome. Thank the Lord he allowed us to be a part of it. I'm so blessed by it. Here's the cool thing. September 22nd, we're going to have that big day where we're inviting as many people as we can to get there, right? To come join the team to help us start this church. Because it's all about forming a group of people who rally behind a cause, who believe this book, forward and backward, leather to leather. It's all there. You believe it to the maps. All of it's inspired, right? Everything there. You believe it and you say, I'm just going to follow Christ. Whatever he sees, whatever I, he tells me to do, I'm going to do. See what he sees, do what he wants me to do. When we do that, and on September 22nd, and those people come, they have an opportunity to, to unite with us, to help us launch that church in January. But here's the beauty of it. They get to experience the life change that's been taking place. Let me tell you why. Not just because we're going to all greet and we're going to be friendly, but because we're going to baptize 20 plus people on that day. Can we just thank God for working? It's awesome. It's awesome. Some of y'all are going, I don't even understand all this. Listen, I'm about to break it down to you piece by piece so you can get it. I want to make it bite-sized so you can taste it and go, ooh, that's good. I'll give you some more of it, all right? It's good stuff. It's awesome, and it's amazing, and I want you to experience it. God has called us to this. We get to experience life change. Yes, it's work. Yes, we come in here early. Yes, we set up stuff. Yes, it's a pain in the rear moving this. But the food's good, and the people are awesome, and God shows up, and it's worth it. It's worth it. Number three. Here's the best part. Say, I don't understand all this. Listen, number three, you can leave here different than the way you came. Let me tell you about Saul for just a second. Saul has an encounter with God. God shows up. He realizes he's Lord. He says, wow, I probably need to get my next steps and go find this guy, Ananias, and hear from him. And he'll give me my next step and I can follow him. Make a long story short, he goes and he meets with Ananias and all of a sudden, maybe you've not heard of the guy Saul before other than what I'm telling you. Maybe you've heard of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul. Let me tell you about the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, there's 27 books in the New Testament of the Bible. There's 66 books in all. There's the Old Testament and there's the New Testament. In the New Testament, 27 books. Out of those 27 books, Paul, the Apostle Paul wrote in 13 of them. Like talk about a follower of Jesus the apostle Paul really followed Jesus because like he gave us his word. God really used him in a mighty way. You're saying, why are you talking about Paul if we're talking about Saul? Because God changed his name from Saul to Paul. What does that mean? He gave him a new identity in Jesus Christ. All of a sudden, who he was before didn't matter anymore. He erased that. God erased all that stuff. And he said, I'm making you whiter than snow, buddy. And all of a sudden, I've got a plan for you. And all of a sudden, you have purpose. And then he said, here's, here's what I want you to do. Go get your next steps. And when he got his next step, all of a sudden, something amazing happened in his life. And God used him, not just to impact the people of his local community, but it's still impacting us today because it's God's word and we have it in our hands right now. Praise God for Saul changing his mind and turning into Paul through the power of Jesus Christ. New identity. No, it's cool. He'll give you new identity too. It's not just reserved for this guy right here. That's what the story's about. The story's all about how it doesn't matter what you've done. You've been given grace. The church is here to reach people and he wants you to be a part of the plan to reach other people for Jesus Christ. But it first starts with a new identity. He wants to give you an identity change. I told you, you can walk out of here different than the way you came. For some of you, you need to make those decisions today. We're going to give an invitation. You're going to have the opportunity to make some changes in your life. Let God use you. Number four, write this down. I love this. The best is yet to come in your life. The best is yet to come in your life. See, for, for Saul, his best days were ahead of him, not behind him. His best days were ahead of him, not behind him. And you need to realize that as well. Your, your best days are yet to come. You haven't even got there yet. You had some good days in the past where, where God used you. But listen, we don't focus on all the past about what God did. We're going to focus on what he's about to do. And it's a cool thing what he's about to do. And we want you to jump in and be a part of the plan and experience it with us. Kind of what Revolution Church, why we're planting this church in this community is not just about seeing life change, but it's about God using us as individuals to step into his plan. Because his plan was not this. For some churches or some people maybe, they think it's this. And I, I don't want you to think it's this. They think 
I need to come in and I need to make a decision to follow Jesus. They pray a prayer, they get baptized, and then that's it. Let me tell you something, that's not it. There's so much more. There's so much more. The best is yet to come. And when I say that, I mean that with all that is within me because I want you to understand that there is purpose for you in this life. That through the power of God's word and his Holy Spirit, if you'll follow him, he will use you to change other people's direction. You will be the Ananias in the story. That you'll go, oh God, I don't know if I can do it. And then he will use you right before your eyes to ultimately see life change happen. But I have to stop and wait a minute for right here for a second because God just spoke to me. I gotta be honest with you. That's not in the message. So I'm gonna screw you all up. <laughs> God just gave me this. What if, let's play what if. What if Ananias wouldn't have listened? What if Ananias would have said, I can't do it? What if Ananias would have said, I'm too scared. That's Saul. You don't understand who that guy is. I do. What if Saul would have said, you know what? I'm too busy. Wow. What if? I want to encourage you to not be the what if. I want to encourage you to have the strength to do what God has commanded you to do. To be the person that he ultimately created you to be. To follow after him with reckless abandon where you just say it's all yours. Whatever it is, God, I'm going to do it. The best is yet to come. See, I firmly believe this. Just kind of give you some next steps. You guys are guests around here. You don't know what's going on. What is this? Da, 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 da. We're crazy. Y'all already know that. We're crazy. Big old witch on the wall or a rocket. I don't know what that is. I'm still trying to figure that out. <laughs> still trying to figure that one out. My imagination's just messed up. I apologize. I'll tell you kind of where we're headed. God's blessing, and as long as we stay out of his way and we just say, God, you lead, we'll follow, and we just reckless abandon do it, he's going to keep growing this place. And let me just tell you, not just numerically, but very, very spiritually. Because my heart isn't just to build a church with a lot of people that show up that don't understand who God is. My heart is to make sure that you understand what this book is about. The more of this as a pastor, however long, however many years that God gives me to teach out of this book, my best responsibility is to make sure that you know what this book says. To give you my very best each and every week to, to just give it to you. And then just hope that you and pray for you that you'll follow it. If I get this stuck in your brain and you say, I believe what God's word says for my life, there's nothing that this church can't do. You don't want to know why? Because the gates of hell can't prevail against the church of the living God. Amen? Amen. Nothing can stop the church when the church is the church. But here's what it takes. It takes people who are ready. It takes people who are willing. It takes people who say, you know what? It doesn't bother me to sit in these metal weird white chairs. It doesn't bother me to come early. Doesn't bother me to set up all this stuff. Doesn't bother me to tear all this down. Doesn't bother me just because I'm all about seeing lives changed. I'm all about being Ananias. I'm all about sacrificing my life back. And here's the cool thing. And I'm going to preach on this. And I probably shouldn't be talking about it right now because I should wait. But I can't because I get too excited. Romans 12.1 says we can present, present our bodies as living sacrifices back to Jesus Christ. Meaning... Jesus died on a cross to pay for our sin. He gave his life, meaning death, gone. Cool thing is three days later, he came back to life because he's God, right? And he's not asking you to die for him today. He didn't say, go be a suicide bomber, da-da-da-da-da. That's not what you're involved in today if you're a guest. Here's what he said. He said, present your life as a living sacrifice. Live for me. He died for you so that we can live for him. It's an awesome thing. I think that we're going to have 220 people show up to this church. I think it's going to be a phenomenal experience. I think that we're going to baptize a ton of people. We've already got people ready to baptize people. Like the way we do it around here is if you win them, you wet them. All right? That's the way it is. You win them to Christ, you, you, can, you can dunk them, man. We want them to take the plunge with you. It's going to be awesome. Just don't hold them down. God wants to use you for his glory. He's already been using you. Can you believe today? Can you believe the people that are here with us today? I just, 
blows my mind why you guys show up. <laughs> there's so many other options. There's so many other churches, but you know what? You came because God wanted you here. That's all I can say. God just kind of put you here. Sorry about that. <laughs> You're stuck with me, right? But let me just say something. God's working in this place. Life change happens. Life change happens. And it's a cool experience. The best is yet to come in this church. We're going to start some new programs. Let me give you kind of an idea of where we're going. We've got some new programs coming up. We're going to be starting our small group ministry in January. Okay, I know that you guys are ready for some small groups. I'm ready for some small groups, man. I'm ready to make it happen. But one thing that we've been committed to as a church, and I, I want to tell you this because I know you'll respect it, is we're not going to try to start something just to start something. We want to start something and do it effectively. If we can't do it effectively, then why are we starting it? Okay, so there's stepping stones to getting to where we want to go. We're also, um, Dana and Gina are come from a background where they do Celebrate Recovery, and we're going to have them launch a Celebrate Recovery program right here in Revolution Church. And I believe that there are going to be so many people in this community that are going to be touched and lives are going to be changed because of that ministry. I'm so excited about that. Um, we've got some things for youth coming up. So if you're a teenager today and you're going, man, is there a youth group? Is there, dude, all that's coming, okay? It's coming. But again, we are dedicated to the kids. We can throw something in and just say, hey, there's something for them and it not be any good or we can do it right. So what we're seeking out is people that are passionate about teenagers, people that want to work with kids, people want to invest in their lives and week to week, you go places with them, you invest in them, you ask them questions, you figure out where they're at spiritually and you help guide them. That's what we're looking for right now, okay? We're splitting up next week into three classrooms in our um, children's ministry, God has blessed us. I remember the day, and you don't, but I remember the day when we were in my room, uh, a 10 by 8 room, and there was a baby laying in the middle of the floor, and there was like all the way up to fifth grade, and there was like a football being thrown. It was like, this isn't safe, and this isn't good, right? So, so we couldn't do that, but God has blessed us. We expanded to two classrooms. We've got people who have a heart for kids now, and we're expanding that to three classrooms coming next week. God is growing the church. It's a step-by-step -step process, okay? As you give of your time, your talent and your treasure, God's going to build this place. And the cool thing is he can use you. If you've been trying to figure out your spot, trying to figure out your purpose, listen, we have a spot here for you. All you've got to do is connect in with us and God will use you in this place.